Hey, everybody. Before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You can also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show is another crossover with my other podcast, Bird Road. I've got Q with me, and we are talking about the new Childish Gambino film, Guava Island. Uh, This was not a movie that was on the schedule initially, but um, the both of us love everything that this... Uh, production team has made between uh, Donald Glover, his brother Stephen Glover, and director uh, Hiro Murai. And um, so when this thing just kind of came out of nowhere, uh, it seemed like something that we should really cover. So this is a movie that was timed to uh, correspond with uh, Childish Gambino's Coachella set, and it came out direct to Amazon. It's only 55 minutes. It falls somewhere in this weird between range between a short film and a feature film. And uh, it's interesting the way that uh, they pulled this thing off. I mean... Everything they do is pretty interesting, and, you know, Atlanta is probably the best show on TV. Uh, The This Is America music video is one of the best music videos I've seen in years, and so it's no surprise that uh, this is an incredibly interesting and unique film. So it was a lot of fun to talk about. So uh, without any further ado, CQ, I can say that, um, <laughs> let's get onto the conversation. And uh, as a reminder at the top of the show, I always tell you to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on any podcast app of your choice. You should also make sure you're subscribed to Bird Road as well, where we get into all kinds of politics and just joke around and have fun. So make sure to subscribe to Bird Road. You probably are subscribed to Piecing It Together, and I thank you for that. So let's get to the conversation about Guava Island. All right, so uh, Q is back with us. (laughs) (laughs) He may be blowing his nose. I'll do my best to edit it out. uh, We both watched this new movie uh, from Childish Gambino called Guava Island, which is available now on Amazon and was premiered during Coachella. And uh, we wanted to talk about it. And so we weren't planning on this one, but here we are. And I think it'll be a fun talk. This was not on your editorial calendar, is it? It was not. It was not. And believe it or not, I've got an editorial calendar because I do a lot of planning for my podcast. I lost you. you. Are you there? I'm wait- I know I'm here. I was waiting for you to yell at me because I don't do a lot of planning with Bird Road. Wait, set me back up because you cut out. So set me back up for that. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So I, 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 I actually have an editorial calendar. Because Fuck you! I might just keep it like that whole that whole play back and forth. There. Keep whatever you want. <laughs> So uh, yeah, yeah. The good news here is that that uh, Jewish Dave, uh, I figured out the the trick to get Jewish Dave to actually plan or do any research for an episode of Bird Road. It's to make it a crossover with piecing it together, and then he'll actually fucking pay attention to it and prioritize it in his life. (laughs) You should see all the articles I read and everything in preparation. I mean, I know a lot of. Oh, I haven't read any articles. I'm actually really interested to hear. I'm just joking. Oh, oh, I thought maybe you did some research on the movie. This movie is a real like kind of mystery box movie. It's it's yeah. like, very allegorical and metaphorical, and I just like I know that there are probably there's things behind it. There's meaning behind it. I just didn't want to go. I didn't really want to dig too deep into it. I kind of liked it just 
I, I kind of really liked this movie just for what it was. I could tell that there was some allegorical and metaphorical meaning behind it that sure. wasn't maybe immediately obvious that uh, if you go to, I don't know, if you if you read whatever, like if like Mashable or whatever, or The Ringer does like a write-up of it, they probably pick up on a lot of stuff that just the average viewer wouldn't. But I kind of just wanted to enjoy it on a superficial level. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it being kind of a movie and a music video collection at the same time, it does allow you to just just enjoy it, like just totally surface level enjoy it. But I'm sure that, you know, knowing the people involved, especially, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of, uh, you know, layers to it and things that you could really read into it and, and look for throughout it. And I mean, it, it's it's so beautiful the way that they put this thing together. Um, you know, it, it, every scene seems to be just so full of life. I'm sure there's there's plenty in there that you don't catch on the first time. Well, they had pretty incredible access to uh, the island of Cuba that I haven't really seen in pretty much in any other movie or TV show. Right, um, right. And I, I don't know if the, uh, you know, I, I don't know how that was, how that was negotiated and, and executed, but um, yeah, they, they showed just a really beautiful part of Cuba that uh, was, was something else to watch. It was really, really pretty. I think he basically said, I'm Donald Glover. I get to do whatever I want in 21st <laughs> century America. Well, you know, Cuba too, but, um, <laughs> uh, all right, let, let's, uh, let's jump into some puzzle pieces. What do you got for your first one? So the first one that I have is, is a little bit of a deep pull that I think some folks might know. Um, it's, uh, the, it's 2000s dancer in the dark, which was a Lars von Trier movie. I don't know if you ever saw it or not. I never um, did. Uh, so it was starring Bjork and Catherine Deneuve and, mm. um, specifically at the start of the movie, it's, it's, it has a scene where Bjork leads just like a, um, a percussive, uh, workplace, like on the factory floor dance scene, uh, that was evocative. And, and I have to think, I mean, to watch it, you have to think that Hiro Murai, who was the director of, um, the director of, uh, of, uh, Guava Island has to have seen this be there's just no way that it, it was just coincidence because it was, um, it was very similar to, uh, right. to, to, to it. It was, it was just great. And okay, dance in the dark is a great movie. Um, very musical movie. Uh, obviously it starts Bjork and it has a lot of the same tones that, um, that this movie has. It's about, I think it's about an Icelandic. It's like about this Icelandic immigrant who's working, uh, in a factory and trying to save up money while, while she's going blind. She's hmm. like slowly going blind and she's trying to save up money for an operation, but the operation is actually for her child who has the same degenerative condition that she does. So it's too late for her. She's trying to save up money before she goes completely blind. Um, but yeah, I don't remember where I saw it. I saw it a long time ago uh, on a DVD. I think maybe my, my, my wife might've gotten it or something like that. From uh, back when there were independent video stores where you could actually go discover shit like that, um, uh, yeah. So that that's my that's my first one, Dancer in the Dark. I, I think also, yeah. I think also, um, and I, I've never really thought of that before, but I think she's probably just in general a pretty big uh, influence on uh, both Donald Glover and uh, Hiro Murai. Uh, with, with their, I mean, they just they take music and go in like very unique creative directions you know and i mean you know who does that more than bjork I right mean, <laughs> you know? um but yeah no i like that. that's a good one and i i'm gonna go with another uh another music movie uh for my first one it's something that we actually watched together and neither of us really liked too much but uh <laughs> still i still i think it set the stage a little bit and that is beyonce's lemonade um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which this is another, uh, I guess you would say quote unquote visual album. Um, but this movie is strung together by some of his most, uh, you know, popular, uh, recent songs and they all, you know, come together along with, uh, you know, regular narrative to, to tell a story and, uh, you know, also being uh you know kind of blending that that line between feature film and short film and just kind of doing what what works for the sake of the music and for the sake of doing something artistic well and i i think that's a great one and i think that there's i don't really know how to enunciate this the right way but when i think back about lemonade i think about like um the moment that it came out in it was this sort of epoch of um of like the Obama era sociopolitical 
you know, ascendancy of, of very wealthy elite people who maybe hadn't been in those positions to be wealthy and elite before. And somehow mm-hmm. we thought that like the Obamas of the world or the, um, or the Beyonce's of the world were going to like somehow reflect reflect our movement or like the people's movement and it was going right. to turn into something it was Hope that summer change. it was the summer right before right before the 2016 election and i think everybody was like wow um we're fighting against these regressive forces as you know as a people we're we're like you know we, we have the the first woman president is lined up it's like all but guaranteed that she's going to be the president mm-hmm. um you know there it was just this really i feel like now in hindsight this this very naive Right. moment that we were live existing in that lemonade came out in and uh, i think there are so many people that wish that they could just go back to that moment and it you know i kind of wanted to talk about this and since we're crossing over a little with bird road i guess we can uh-huh. but i think that it's I, I i think about what donald glover is and his body of work and with this like sort of um creative team that he's built with uh, the aforementioned hero murai and and I think it was Donald Glover's brother that wrote this movie right. and has been a, a frequent collaborator. They have like that, sh- that small set group that they work with and they do incredible stuff. We're, we're fans of it, but I wonder if it's ironic. And I think about Beyonce in the category of that sort of elitist um, culture that you consume, like the high end stuff that's made for the masses, but is virtual, but is, is 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 signaling things that are virtually unattainable and mm. i think about that as i think about like coachella right because this movie we should mention here at the top while we're still on our first puzzle pieces this movie is a marketing campaign this movie's right. not a not a, a movie that was released in the theaters it was released sort of as an afterthought on amazon prime and it was really made to coincide with uh with donald glover's performance at coachella um, and I know, I don't know what the, maybe, can you shed some light on what was the involvement of Beyonce where she pulled out of Coachella this year? There was, there was something to do with that, right? Maybe you can, uh, you know, explain that a little bit. So I, I'm not sure because I didn't think that that was related. Like I know that she did. It's not related to this out. movie, but I know that, yeah. that, that, that was a thing, right? She was supposed to be at yeah, Coachella. Definitely. Yeah. So I just wonder if there's like, there's an irony that this is sort of an expression this movie is this like expression of disdain for the underpinnings of consumerism mm-hmm. and like this, this fight against the entanglements and, um, and for it to be strategically aligned for like maximum marketing impact with Coachella, the, ul- the ultimate music festival, uh, the ultimate like advertisement for everything, apotheosis of consumerism. I mean, yeah. it's like the, <laughs> the emblem of all the worst parts of like, capitalism elitism bourgeois liberalism like it's coachella is what it is and like there are these people at coachella who all paid like thousands and thousands of dollars for like glam encrusted you know (laughs) fucking vip bottle service shit they they probably see themselves in the humble characters that they're looking up there as they're watching that movie and they're like Oh, sweetie, that's you, and then this is me, and I'm Donald Glover. It's and you're just like you're just like Rihanna, and that's how we are. And and they're probably like googling on like the State Department website for like how you get travel visas to Cuba and like planning their next vacation. <laughs> but the movie's message is like I would guarantee is probably mostly lost on them. It's probably like right. lost. Honestly, it's probably lost on anybody that can afford an Amazon Prime membership. <laughs> just having an Amazon Prime membership means that you're like a a zealous fully willful participant in like the production and the consumption dynamics of capitalism that you know if if you showed up if the people who saw this movie at Coachella showed up in Cuba on a Sunday not to ruin the the ending of this movie but spoiler alert you got to see the movie uh but if if the people who saw this movie at Coachella showed up in Cuba on a Sunday and everything was shut down on Sunday because the people of the island were burying their friend they would probably like want to speak to a manager and be fu- infuriated by it. They would ask <laughs> to speak to somebody. Promised at all? Yeah, this is not what I was told. I was told they'd be alive and that there would be there would be um, fresh drinks. Where's and the dancing? Where's the dancing and the music festival? Don't tell me I missed it. So I don't know. I I, I just wanted to like that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I don't know, and I don't know if like a guy like Donald Glover is doing that on purpose 
if he's aligning this messaging like that on purpose or if it's just literally the the the, the most preferred method of delivery delivery for a piece of creative work if you just have every avenue as a creator open to you if you're just like ah, fuck it let's do it on coachella coachella's cool or if he seems like a guy who's smart enough to be able to recognize like yo coachella is a big bag of shit let me <laughs> let me let me like just set off a uh, uh let me just like kind of like make fun of them to their face a little bit but again i don't know if that's it, yeah. it, you bringing up lemonade made me think of that because lemonade is that it, without the hint of irony Without right, the hint right, of, exactly. with, you know, like unironically, like, you know, aspirational bullshit being shoved down your throat, telling you that you should be consuming and buying and, 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 uh, and that you need things and that, you know, you're, you're just this close to being that fully realized, fully actualized, strong, powerful woman. All you need to do is get these pumps and get that jacket and get this car. And you're like almost there. You're almost there. And then you'll be badass, just like her. Anyway, yeah, I I, I love what you're saying. I <laughs> I think it's perfect, and and I I like to think that yo piece that, of get together listeners, if you're out there, subscribe to Bird Road. Yes, absolutely. Mash that Bird you'll Road button. More, more of this. More of this. <laughs> more of this. No, I, I like to think that uh, that Donald Glover is in on this, and and that and that we we get it. But I mean, who knows? You know, it's, it's so hard to say. So my, my next piece is actually sort of um like when you guys will do the like larger genre, like our genre mm-hmm. writ large, you know, and I sure. used a couple of examples, which are Blues Brothers, the original 1980s Blues Brothers and uh, Empire Records of 1995, which I cannot yeah. believe it's been 25 years since Empire Records, 24 years since Empire Records came out. That freaked That's me out. So lo- that is so long. <laughs> but um, I, I'm putting this in the category or the genre of everything is leading towards the big show at the end movies, uh-huh. like the big concert movies where it's like, are we going to be able to pull this off at the end? You know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just, I love those kind of movies. Um, and those were t- the two best. I mean, I don't think, I don't think most people would agree with me that empire records was empirically a good movie. It's more like nostalgically a good movie, I think. And um, so, yeah, I wanted to, to, to drop those two in there under the, the larger dome of, the big, I mean, you know, even like Wet Hot American Summer fits into this a little sure, bit. Sure, it does. Hey, yeah, B- yeah. Blues Brothers 2000 fits into <laughs> it's this. It's funny. I, I mean, was going to actually do this bucket as well, but I, I just, I didn't, <laughs> I couldn't think of a, a really good, like perfect one. And so I just kind of let it go. But I think those are, those are good examples. And yeah, like you said, Wet Hot American Summer could totally fit that bill as well. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. What's yeah, your next no, one? I, I like, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, all right. So yeah, let me go to my next puzzle piece. So, um, I, I, this one kind of goes along with, uh, with with Lemonade as well, uh, and, and that is Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Um, but again, I'm going uh, before I get into any of the substance of what the uh, you know what the story is and what the setting is and all that. Talking about mainly just uh, the the inspiration of of stringing music videos together into uh, some kind of a narrative, uh, which you know I mean Moonwalker is just. It's just, it's so great for people who, you know, who loved that music at that time. And like, it was just so larger than life and putting those amazing songs together into this, like, and it's like, it's kind of ridiculous at the same time as it genuinely is awesome. And I I think uh, Guava Island is taking some really great songs. I mean, these, these recent tracks from Childish Cambino are really great tracks and, um, Fitting them together this way, it, I think they did a really great job of kind of capturing that same kind of thing. And then also to that same point, I mean, some of uh, uh, Childish Gambino's dance moves, I think, uh, very evocative of MJ. Yeah, yeah for sure, ab- absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Some of his very some influenced his by, by Michael Jackson. I think. I mean, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, if, <laughs> Moonwalker, rare movie where the video game was better than it, though. Yeah. Well, which which video game? Because there was Sega Genesis, the Sega Genesis video game, where you like, where you fight the zombies and all that stuff. And I liked both of them actually, but yeah, I agree with you. The Genesis one's better than the arcade, but absolutely rare rare occurrence of that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which I guess I'll jump to my number five then, because I had five, but I mean it it goes part and parcel with what you just said. Because mine is 1978's The Wiz, uh, with which is obviously. 
you know, as most people remember, Sidney Lumet directed, starring Michael Jackson, Diana Ross, Nipsey Russell. Um, same thing, right? Musical score tying together uh, the 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 story, and I I put this together because apparently I, I'm I'm you know I like a lot of the singles that uh, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, I suppose, has come out with in the uh, last two albums he's done. But what I read was that big fans of his say that this movie ties together themes of this of the like this this movie is an actual sort of cohesive piece that brings together a lot of the themes from his last two albums and uh, the the music was telling this sort of loosely connected story mm-hmm. and that these that these numbers weren't just they, they weren't just shoehorned in they were actually you know like intentional and that this right. movie was was an intentional uh n- narrative project that brought that brought together these um the the music that he's been making and from what i understand there's really like two childish gambinos there's the pre 2015 childish gambino who was just kind of a just another rapper that wasn't really right. that great i mean like i remember that childish gambino and like he had a couple songs that were interesting or funny but he was just I think a, he was most notable for like adding nerd culture into hip hop. Yeah, like he was thing. like a like a like a like a like a discount version of Odd Future. I don't know if you ever got into Odd Future. No, I never did. Yeah, Odd Future, like that moment of like 2007, 2008, funny hip hop, nerd hip hop, kind of mm. coming out. Uh, you know that that was that moment, right? And he was he was one of that group of of rappers that kind of had their moment during that that time um mm-hmm. but anyway back to my pick the whiz uh i mean this was an incredible movie i you know when looking up this movie it's actually not very highly rated i couldn't believe i can't believe that i thought that this was like an afi like top 100 movie or something but <laughs> apparently it's a it's yeah. a lowly rated movie um <laughs> i loved it i remember loving it growing up and it reminds me a lot of the, the sort of the whimsy and the fun um you know stylistically we always talk about like usually when I'm on this show with you, what I'll talk about is one that has like a you know a, a similar tone or a similar style. It might not have the same story, which it doesn't. You know, the the, right. the Wiz doesn't have the same story, but the way that that the Wiz was made um, felt a lot like like it, it was like the warm tonality and the the the, the beautiful um, consideration that was taken into the presentation of the movie. Um, you know, I could see Hiro Murai being a kind of person who was, you know, very influenced by, by Lume. Um, sure. so yeah, I, I had, uh, the whiz. Absolutely. Hey, you, you know, what's funny about the whiz before I move on to my next puzzle piece is I didn't know about it growing up. I, I just, I don't think I ever heard of it. And then like, I was like, I was in my second Michael Jackson phase first when I was a kid. And then again, like when I was like senior in high school, I think, and I found out about it and I was like, holy shit, this exists. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. It's it's incredible. I remember watching it. I don't know when I was a little kid, it was one of the ones where it was one of those movies where I, I remember being six or seven and just getting it from, um, from Blockbuster and just watching it like a thousand times. And mm. I loved it, and you know what I loved at the same time? I had a phase where I guess I was into, like, funny musical things. I, that and um, Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, yeah. I yeah. was, like, just really into those two movies. I thought they were hilarious, and I don't know. I was so, maybe seven years so old, good. eight years old. <laughs> so good. Um, all right. Well, my next uh, puzzle piece. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with uh, the Before Trilogy um, for my next piece. Okay, and okay. I... I wish there was more of this, but I felt like the <laughs> scenes between Childish Gambino and Rihanna kind of gave off a little bit of that that feel of like just a very naturalistic relationship and like uh and like watching them walk around and like just kind of like, you know, goofing around with each other and then once they break into song, of course things change a little bit, but it still has that like that real sweetness and that real you you really like kind of feel their relationship and um yo, I read an article. I read an article that said uh, a review that said that um, the relationship between Glover and Rihanna was wooden, and I was like, "Are you fucking crazy?" Wow! I was like, "That's like that's that's insane." That's crazy, uh, and I feel like that's a person who's never been in a relationship. Yeah, that's really strange. Like I was thinking about, I thought it felt so lived oh, in. Yeah. It felt like a real relationship. Yeah, 
I, I was thinking about if this movie was a full length feature, like a solid 90 minutes. And I think I would prefer more of them than any of the other elements, like any more songs or any of the thriller aspects that yeah. it starts to unfold into. Um, I, I, their relationship was really interesting and, and really well done, I thought. So that is pretty surprising to hear that. Um, yeah, I, I did and, not and what, agree with that. With that, uh, with that. Yeah, that's weird. Well, uh, one more point about the before trilogy uh, is also just how beautiful the uh, the scenery that they're walking through and their relationship is unfolding. You know, before you is. Um, well, I you mean, should explain a little because maybe not everybody immediately uh, associates the um, Ethan Hawke vehicle, the three. You know, before, but like what sure. that is. Yeah, no, I mean, it's you, you, a, in the first one, uh, before sunset, I believe. I always forget which one is which in the order, but uh, in the first one, he meets Julie Delphi and uh, they're just talking and they get to know each other. And then through the course of these three movies, you're seeing like, I think, two decades of their relationship unfolding. And uh, the whole movies like, are basically just them walking around in various cities. And. Uh, the cities are just beautifully captured while their relationships are just beautifully captured as well. And, and so, you know, again, here we're seeing for portions of, of the short runtime anyway, uh, we're seeing Childish Gambino and Rihanna just, uh, you know, living in this, this just picturesque, amazingly beautiful, uh, part of Cuba and just the cinematography is absolutely gorgeous in the way that it captures it all. And especially the, uh, you know, you know, the beach scene, it's just absolutely ridiculous. The beach scene is stunning. Is. And like the, yeah. and the choreography that comes with it. And that musical number is great. Um, yeah. were you a big, uh, were you a big slackers fan or no? Uh, I only ever saw it once, like back in high school. Yeah. It's know? so funny because like the, as Linklater would go on to make this, this trilogy that is so, kind of well-respected artistically and thought of so highly as, you know, Oscar bait type movies. Uh -huh. um, that, 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 that trope of just like kind of following people along for a day. Yeah. Obviously that was his first movie, but still slackers is where he started that right. Slackers is where he was like, okay, we're going to follow around 20 weirdos <laughs> during a day in Austin, Texas and just, see what where their days lead them yeah and uh, a lot of, he employed a lot of the same sort of directorial tricks like kind of sharpening or you know honing his skills on that very lo-fi i think oscars uh, uh, sorry slackers was um like one of those movies that cost virtually nothing to make sure sure and uh and then you saw a lot of those skills at play i think maybe five or six years later right when uh when when he made um the first before movie and then the subsequent two yeah. That came yeah. after that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so what's your uh, next puzzle piece? So my next one is one that um, I saw in the theater, but I don't think I saw with you. I saw it years after it was in the theaters. Um, it is probably the uh, the most critically acclaimed of uh, Hiyomazaki's, um, the great Japanese uh, animator of his, of his, um, of his, you know, incredible, illustrious career. Uh, it was 2001's Spirited Away. Mm -hmm. which is uh, by a lot of people considered to be the greatest animated film that's ever been made mm -hmm. is the highest gro highest grossing Japanese movie ever still to this day. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And um, the reason I picked it is more of a thematic reason. Uh, it, it was not a direct critique of capitalism per se, but it was a critique of Japanese culture mm -hmm. and a con critique of consumerism and consumption and production and sort of the dynamics that are behind capitalism, which I, um, I, 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 I remember being a very affected from by them, by the movie when I saw it, maybe, I don't know, like 15 years ago or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, it was, it's, you know, the, the character is sort of like living through the lead, the lead character, the, the young girl, um, is, is sort of existing in this world where the only thing that matters to the people around her are how much they're they're able to like stuff their faces filled with things. Did you ever see this movie or no? Is this one that you haven't seen yet? I don't remember if I ever actually saw it. I mean, it's always been a movie that's been on my radar, and I I, I feel like I did, but if I did, it was back when it was in the theaters. It's one of those movies that like stays with you. You see it, and it makes you think for a while, and you're you know it kind of kind of messes with you a little while. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, Spirited Away, two thousand one. Uh, 
it's again not a direct critique of capitalism it's more of a direct critique of japanese culture the um the loss of tradition is a big theme in the movie the loss of uh of history and mm-hmm. the things that had made japan in the estimation of mizaki um that had made japan kind of what it was you know this the oldest country in the world i mean there's some debate between japan and egypt which cult- which country is the oldest country uh, con- you know continuous country with the continuous borders on the sure. planet but japan is a country that is steeped in history and has been um you know in existence forever and to see industrialization post-war industrialization do what it's done to that culture and erode it in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s was um very affecting for mizaki and there's you know i'm sure volumes and volumes of analysis written about this that i'm not going to get into but uh, but that is sort of a tacit um, critique of capitalism when you think about it, because that's what it is. Sure. It's these creatures shoving things into their mouths and eating. And <laughs> at one point, the girl's parents turn into actual pigs from their <laughs> gorging and and their and their binging. So um, yeah, that was that was my next puzzle piece. No, it's great. That's great. And you know, it's funny. You know, just to like touch on that. You know, a little bit more about the capitalism. I was looking for some movies that you know kind of were dealing with those kind of themes, and it, there's really far and few between. Like we kind of, you know, obviously when we did our uh, our episode on Sorry to Bother You, like <clears throat> we were looking for movies that uh, you know dealt with criticism of capitalism. Um, and even spoiler then, alert for my last uh, for my last puzzle piece, by the way. But <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's like it's tough to find movies that uh, that deal with that. Well, and, and that's so, not by accident. That's not yeah. by accident, Dave. I mean, if you think yeah. about it, look at what Hollywood is. You know? Yeah, look at what Hollywood is. Look at what Hollywood. Look at what our culture rewards. Look at what we recognize and what we think um, the most about. Um, I read somewhere where, where where people were talking about how Donald Glover has this this uh, really unique ability to sort of um, nip at the hands of the corporate overlords who fund his creativity. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like he has this habit in a lot of the things that he does of like kind of taking a shot at the the studio world or the yeah. uh, the the world of Hollywood and um and still being endearing enough and just on its face making create good enough creative work that it, it, it's he's not drummed out but you have to think man we don't watch we have this conversation before and i don't know how much you guys i've heard you guys talk about it sometimes on on other episodes of piecing it together but i don't know how much you really do it's more of a of a on the um, facebook page conversation really mm-hmm. we don't like movies before like 1980 like we don't really watch them because they just right. don't hold up like right. let's call it what it is and for all you film nerds out there that are going to come after me fine you can come after me if you want everyone fact- subscribe to the criterion channel even if we don't watch those movies <laughs> yeah the, like <laughs> but like come on they just they they don't hold up sit down and watch like i tried to sit and watch the other day chinatown and mm-hmm. i was bored in the first 30 minutes of chinatown and it's actually on my list of movies to go back and watch <laughs> yeah i mean i watched it Thanks i don't remember warning. when like in like the 90s i probably watched it or something when i was like yeah. a teenager Right, and uh, so my point in bringing that up is that a lot of the kind of filmmaking that you are talking about it that would be a critique of capitalism, movies that 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 critiqued capitalism, movies that were anti-establishment, were in that era, mm-hmm. and then when the nineteen eighties came, it was a resurgence for capitalism. It was a resurgence. It, it's where the sh- the 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 we love to see people transgress on film or we love to see people mm-hmm. go against the grain on film, right? We love to see the anti-hero, the tough guy, the, or the, 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 the square peg of the round hole, the person that isn't fitting in and is calling the whole system into question. But the polarity for that changed in like the 1980s where that person became Gordon Gecko, That person mm-hmm. became Tony Soprano. That person became a different, you know, Walter White, somebody who was in the pursuit of, of, of of money in who, who was who was pursuing money in the larger more noble pursuit of providing for their family but society was sort of an afterthought or or society was the villain right we don't see characters 
like Donald Glover's Denny in this movie who are put forward as heroes who are willing to sacrifice their family and their life and their unborn child who are, who I don't think he ever actually finds out about, which is one of the tragedies in the movie, sure. but um, you know, who are willing to sacrifice those things for the society, right? Who are willing to put their life on the line to have that day off that one Sunday off so that everybody can have it. And, um, but you're right. And I don't think it's by accident, dude, because that sort of that, that, that capital worship started well it started hundreds of years ago but really in in modern media it being sort of tied into as a virtue started in the 80s which mm. is when we started being culturally aware of movies that we when we when we as kids young kids started deciding like we like this we don't like this i like that i don't like this movie when we started making our the movie selections that were going to you know be our rewatchables for the rest of our lives it was at a time when that was what the you know what the prevailing uh, virtues were, and it's not so, it's not a, it's not an accident. I don't think. So, do you think the uh, the young kids now, the progressives, are going to uh, be making a different kind of movie going forward? <clears throat> Possibly. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's hard to uh, say. Like, it's hard to say because all that stuff is happening. Uh, all that shit, the the creativity and the creative juice is all happening outside of Hollywood. So you know, who knows what direction it'll go in? Hollywood will just keep being like. A place where every once in a while some little thing like this what we're talking about today will slip through the cracks but mostly it'll be like let's re let's 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 relaunch i don't know 101 dalmatians or something i don't know for all i know they might be doing that but a live um, action one uh, is there a live action i think there already was one but yeah okay <laughs> let's re let's let's uh revamp plane trains and automobiles or something like that you know they are doing that right now with women <laughs> moving, yeah, on, moving um, on let's move on <laughs> well you were talking about movies that don't hold up so that's a good transition uh into my next puzzle piece uh which you know of course overall i like this movie but i, I this is kind of a criticism uh elvis movies in general <laughs> which uh okay. right. I, I, I don't i don't i don't know if i've ever actually watched elvis movies but my impression of them are that they just place elvis in some pretty situation and then he ends up singing songs at some point right and yeah <laughs> which is uh it, you know it, uh you know if you really wanted to you could kind of make the case for that's what this is it's childish gambino looking pretty in a pretty location yeah. and eventually ends up making songs, singing songs. <laughs> uh, I felt like that was a pretty good, uh, uh, uh pretty simple to make uh comparison, but, uh, you know, one worth making nonetheless. No, that's dead on actually. Yeah. They just have this, like this sort of, um, magnetic energy to them where everybody in the movie loves them except for the villain. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> for sure. Absolutely, for sure. That's, That's hilarious. It. I wonder if I've ever actually seen an Elvis movie or if I'm just imagining what an Elvis movie is, but it seems like that's what it would be. I don't think you would have ever watched an Elvis movie. I mean, I, I used to see them on TV back uh -huh. in the day. Um, <laughs> like, uh, the, I'm trying to think of like, the big ones were like um, Jailhouse Rock, right? That would be the sure. big one. All the beach ones, um, I can't think of the names, but yeah, all the ones on seems Hawaii, like a lot, of, a lot of beach Hawaii ones, yeah. They those are movies that did not they did not age. Like if you watch them now, it's like <laughs> they watching be awful. It's like watching gibberish. It's like watching, <laughs> it's like watching a child, dude. Like it's like watching a small child that you don't care about doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so i have yeah. a i have a fifth puzzle piece but i also have a little bonus one okay. um so my fifth fifth puzzle piece i already sort of alluded to sorry to bother you you can go back into our catalog of uh, piecing it together episodes and um also uh this that was the last crossover that we did actually yeah um uh, again anti-capitalist sentiment um a critique of capitalism a critique of labor uh this movie guava island focused heavily on uh you know it's actually distilled really well in one scene where uh denny is walking into work after clocking in a few minutes late with one of his co-workers and saying 
she asks him what's wrong with him why is, why is he so angry and he basically says uh like you know he's like i'm angry because we here we are living in paradise and none of us even has any time to enjoy it right or the right. any time to enjoy it or the means to enjoy it and the fact that they included the word means into that into that that line mm-hmm. makes me know that's what i knew that it wasn't just an accidental an accidental critique of capitalism that this was coming from a place where somebody because that is a that's a very loaded word in the world of socialism in the world of of uh of anti-capitalist rhetoric you know recapturing the means of production um having the means to you know enjoy a just life enjoy life with dignity the 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 word means was very not coded it was like it was a dog whistle i knew that the the writing of this movie was intentional i knew that they were doing that um, and it was nice. I was like, hell yeah. I feel like that in Miami all the time. Everybody here, it's this like fucking grind culture, dude. Grinding, 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 busting your ass. Like you're proud of yourself that you worked through the whole weekend and that you didn't enjoy. You're in, you live in fucking Miami. Go outside. Uh, and yeah. And all you so, can do is work. You're um, never enjoying it. Exactly. And um, sorry to bother you had overtones of that. And uh, I, I love that. It was only just a few months ago. I don't think that I unfortunately I don't think that sorry to bother you made the the blip or the ripple in the cultural conversations that people like you and I would have hoped it would have. Mm. Like it kind of just came and went. Um and this movie nobody's really talking about it. I personally think this is the best movie Guava Island. We'll wait, I'll save it until we get to the part where you ask if I liked it. But I, I will say that I, I really like this movie a lot. Um and you know they they shared a lot of things hopefully there can be like a uh the that is to say sorry to bother you and uh guava island shared a lot of uh thematic elements sure and ho- hopefully more movies can touch on these things because i yeah. like to see when those when those paradigms are challenged a little bit yeah you know i i'd say sorry to bother you is kind of starting to enjoy a little bit of a cult status i think um people are finding it it seems like nobody saw it in the theater um but then ever since it's hit vod it is starting to catch on a little bit and you know hopefully that happens with this Uh, you know hopefully it becomes kind of like you know more of a movie movie than just uh you know something that was to coincide with coachella uh but you know, yeah, it, it's great to see, you know, these kind of criticisms coming up in movies. And I I, I can't imagine that we're not going to see more of it, you know, what with, with the politics of what's happening nowadays and, uh, you know, it, with the way the progressive movement has gone and everything. So I, I, I would be shocked if we don't see more of it. You know what strikes me um, is that uh, how pernicious is this? How sort of like sinister is it that if you want to make a movie about... In the last 20 years, only recently, or as we talk about these two movies, more intelligent takes on this, or maybe more, uh, I don't know, more artful takes on this. If you want to write a movie about a char- character or characters that are like trying to challenge the accepted social requirements of how much you work and questioning like what really matters in life, it's in the last 30, 40 years, that's a, that's a, that's a stoner movie or like a, or a, (laughs) or a slacker movie. Like a, like, you know, it's, it's dude, where's my car. Right. Like you can't like the characters have no inherent virtue and like they are the, they're predisposed as they're pre they're, they're like set up as being wrong. These characters are dipshits and yeah. losers and assholes. Idiocracy is the smartest movie of <laughs> right. The last and, I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, that just strikes me that you know you can't make or for many years that in the eighties, nineties, and the two thousands, the aughts or whatever, you couldn't make a movie where the main character is like, man, let's hang out on the beach all day. I guess maybe Ferris Bueller, right? Like. Yeah. Uh, like, where's the movie where the slacker or the person who's advocating to work less and tone it down and just enjoy life a little bit more is positioned as Baloo in the Jungle Book? I guess, like, <laughs> I'm literally grasping at straws. Like, Ferris Bueller, Baloo in the Jungle Book, and I don't know. That's I it. Got, I got I got no other ones for you. I mean, you're you're absolutely dead on. Uh, uh, Peter from Office Space is that his name? Peter. 
Um, Peter, yeah. But even still, a third of the way after, in the second act of the movie, he recovers and he realizes, he quote unquote realizes that he was wrong. That's and that true. he wants to go yeah. back to his life as uh, like the, the hypnotism or whatever wears yeah. off. <laughs> so even in the Mike Judge world of, you know, late 90s, um, uh, you know, critique of, of the workplace, even still, work is is still exalted. Like being a productive cog in the workforce is still exalted. And the deviant behavior is what happens in the first act. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to go down a whole fucking hole here, even though I think we have. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Well, I got I got one more puzzle piece. So I'm going to go with that right now. And um, that is another music movie. It is Inside Lewin Davis. And okay, uh, yeah. the reason I bring this up is it's a movie in which a musician's talent is undercut by the powers that be really only being interested in money. And um, then also along with that, I figured the, uh, you know, the kind of melancholy tone to it, because even though, you know, there's such beauty and happiness to the island, there's that undercurrent of, of melancholy, like that's just through the whole film, just knowing that, uh, that there's there's something wrong, you know. There's something that's going to be wrong on the island. That's a dead on one. There's there's like I'll always remember from that movie. Um, that's not one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies, although so many people love it that I will I will allow that it is probably one of their best movies. Um, that uh, so many people who I know who whose opinion on Coen Brothers catalog I respect. Mm-hmm. you know seem to th- all agree that that's a I, I i have that for me in the sort of second tier of coen brothers movies mm-hmm. but um even that is good so but what what will always uh stick with me about that movie is just the the sort of sad des- what when when he arrives in chicago and he finally is able to secure a meeting with the producer or the i guess the uh the booking agent that he's trying to get to that he went through all this effort to get to and just a look in his eyes and in his face when when um <laughs> Oscar Isaac Lewin Davis is uh, singing that song, trying to just like when you know what's behind it and what's happening, and yeah, like yeah. the the sadness and the futility behind it, and um, and he is rejected, right? Because why wouldn't he be? Why would he? Just I don't show see up? any money here. Yeah, I don't see any money here. <laughs> that is like a dead oh ass, right on the point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a great one. That's and it's a, F. Murray a... Abram of all people, is <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So my little my little bonus um, uh, puzzle piece is another music industry movie, mm-hmm. uh, but this one is probably I don't think anybody saw this, but you can find it out there on YouTube. It's it's free. It's a it's a short. It's a twenty five minute uh, short film. Uh, the first uh, direct directing credit by Hiro Murai. That he also did with Donald Glover, and that was also had um, Chance the Rapper in it back in I think this was in 2014. It's called Clapping for the Wrong Reasons, and you can watch that. I would recommend everybody watch that movie. It's a 24 or 25 minute uh, short film that's out there that'll give you a sense again, like we were talking before about Richard Linkletter seeing the first inklings of what a director or a creator, or in this case, a creative team, is gonna be seeing them sort of like stretch and work and 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 figure themselves out uh in this you know and then see it sort of come together in a more fully realized thing like um you know Atlanta is or like this movie uh, Guava Island is um the thing about this movie that I thought was interesting is that uh they all play themselves basically like uh mm-hmm. he's playing Donald Glover he's there it's it happens during the course of one day on a um in in a uh what looks to be like you know when like a studio will put up a bunch of rappers and and their producers they'll put them up in like a you know ten thousand dollar a month house in the in the hollywood hills or something right and right. they'll just have them produce there they'll just like they just bunker up and they just make like an album it's one day in that life of these guys sort of playing music and exploring music and fucking around with each other it's 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 very it's not pegged to any plot nothing mm-hmm. is happening and uh at the end of the day nothing happens and um and they just uh, it's just another day of them making music and it's beautiful it's thoughtful it's not quite 
there in terms of the artfulness that that they achieve in Guava Island, which is, I think, a triumph. Um, but you can see where they're going. And for them to have gotten there in five years, I mean, this is a 2014 short film that's half the length of this Guava Island movie. Uh, you know, I think it's admirable. And for them to have the best show on television right now oh, in yeah. that short period of time. Without a doubt. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Anyway, check it out. Clapping for the wrong reasons. It's on like YouTube. You can just go watch it. Yeah, it sounds interesting. I'm definitely going to check it out because I've loved, I've loved or liked at least everything that this team has done, and so definitely I, I need to check that out. Um, all right, well, let's do the finished puzzle, then we'll get into our closing thoughts. So, uh, finished puzzle for Guava Island includes Dancer in the Dark, Lemonade, Blues Brothers, and Empire Records, and other movies that lead towards a big concert. Uh, Moonwalker, The Wiz. The Before Trilogy, Spirited Away, Elvis Movies, Sorry to Bother You, Inside Lewin Davis, and Clapping for the Wrong Reasons. Uh, so, you know, basically when it comes down to it, it, it sounds like you really love this movie. I liked it quite a bit. I, I do wish there were some elements of it, like I talked earlier about the relationship, how much I liked it and wanted more of it. Um, you know, I don't really... I don't really know why they didn't go an extra, like, why did it have to be 50 minutes and why they couldn't have just made it a full length feature? Why couldn't it have been a duet? Why the hell couldn't it have been a duet? Yeah, it's and why couldn't Rihanna. they have done a duet? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's you have Rihanna. Rihanna in the movie. I mean, um, look, yeah. I think that uh, as we talk about things like, you know, the, <sighs> as I think cynically about the production of, of art like this, I think about it that there was probably an entire team of, you know, public relations and marketing and advertising people that were approaching the production of this movie as a, um, as basically a promotional campaign, Mm -hmm. right? This movie was about, uh, elevating the Donald Glover, um, Childish Gambino performance at, uh, at, at Coachella. And that probably, that probably hindered it, frankly. Because it was made for that crowd, it was made for them to see, and it was made to play. I mean, even to the structural, to, to even to just to the basic, the fact that they had it on four three so that it would fit the screens at Coachella, right, right, was yeah. like, I mean, from 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 your house or from your computer, it just looks like an artistic choice, but it was very uh, also a practical one because this was a specific thing that was made for a specific moment in time. And it trickling down to those of us peons and poor people who couldn't afford a $5,000 fucking, you know, jewel encrusted lanyard front page, front, front, uh, front row pass to Coachella. You know, we weren't the target for this movie. Okay. Right. Um, which kind of sucks, right? Especially if you're like me and you hold these particular creators in such esteem. Um, but I I would love to see if this is able to, uh, if if the creative team is able to break free of this formatting constraint and do something different, something like an hour, 40 minutes that I look, I told you on the night that I was watching this Sunday night, I watched it after game of Thrones. I like this more than I liked game of Thrones. I liked this more. I liked this more than I liked any movie that I've seen since probably first reformed. And, uh, I, I thought it was incredible. It had potential. They didn't dive too deep. I think that we are as consumers of movies poisoned a little bit because what would happen if Hollywood had gotten its hands on Guava Island is that it would be a three part you know, it would be three movies and they'd each be two hours long. And we would know every <laughs> single fucking thing about every, every character's backstory. We never find out very much other than the animated intro about how they how the two got to know each other. And we're just asked to sort of, you know, just accept that on faith. Sure. And I think that's great. That's fucking great. I'll, I'll, I'll take that all day. Um, so, yeah, I guess my point would be, but my only other thing I would want to say is that, uh, Speaking of Game of Thrones, anybody who watched season two of Game of Thrones remembers uh, Nonzo Anozi. Apologies if I'm mis- mispronouncing this name. Not a huge part as Red Cargo, but mm. he played it huge and he oh, was yeah. great. 
just like I don't know what you call it when an actor has like a thing where they are able to be like so sort of friendly and jovial but menacing at the same oh, time. Yeah. And absolutely. he was one of the best parts of the movie. I love. I, I thought he was incredible. Absolutely, absolutely. He was really, really great. Um, he 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 was terrifying, but terrifying. So, but so just so happy, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they gave him way more to work with than they did in Game of Thrones. He was a pretty big character for season two of Game of Thrones, and um, you pres- you you're led to believe that he's killed at the end of the season two of Game of Thrones. Um, he's locked away in a in a fucking vault and left to die. Um, so nice. and and he never comes back. So he's probably dead. Uh, then the other thing I wanted to mention for a parting thought is, damn, I'm glad that they didn't try to put on fake accents or do island accents or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, Donald Glover's voice went in a couple different directions at times. It, but I yeah, thought. but notice it was only when he was there was something very interesting going on in the cast of the extras of that island. There uh-huh. were, and yeah, yeah. there was something very, very specific. There were Spanish speakers, there were Creole speakers, there were French people speaking French, and there were people speaking English. And um, there were Bahamians, there were people of, uh, you know, I think that to the typical person who hasn't lived the last 15 years in Miami, interacting with a lot of folks like this, um, that, that who maybe come from places like Dominican Republic, Haiti, uh, who's who who come from different islands in the caribbean you don't notice this nuance but they created this really magical beautiful world where they didn't they just didn't even bother asking you to suspend your your disbelief they were just like a bunch of caribbean people are existing on this fictional guava island together and they have their own languages and their own accents and their own culture that has overlaps right because a lot of caribbean culture does overlap and they were just like here it is. These people are all together. Whenever Donald Glover was interacting with somebody who spoke Spanish, he would say gracias. Whenever he was he was interacting with somebody who spoke Creole, he would interact with them on 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 that level. And it was very quick passing, you know, uh, pleasantries. But uh-huh. that was an intentional choice, I think. And I think it was a, a a really cool one that helped build that world and make it bigger. That especially in the opening scene where he's running through the streets and he's interacting with all these different people. And if you are experienced enough, having lived around Caribbean people, you know that they're as varied as like as the people of America. They're they're like sure. Com- it's sure. the difference between a New Yorker Absolutely. and a Texan. You know, it's completely different people, and they represented a lot of them. And you, you just felt it in the very small those little moments when they would exchange pleasantries. You felt it, and it was it was cool. You know, what, one last point, because uh, you just mentioned real quickly about that opening scene of Donald Glover uh, running through the street. Uh, this movie made me realize that Donald Glover runs a lot. He's like, like yeah. basically, he's like Tom Cruise. Like, he he's, al- he's always running in every single thing he's done. Um, he's also, like me, he's slew-footed, which makes me... <laughs> Which makes makes me hopeful that like that's what like, I always say about you is that you're slew footed. <laughs> I'm slew footed. <laughs> so, Wait, you uh, always say that about me? <laughs> I didn't even know that was a phrase. I I didn't know that was a thing. I I, le- I learned something on this episode. Uh, <laughs> so uh, this is obviously also going to be on Bird Road. But do you want to for the piecing it together listeners plug Bird Road and plug anything? Uh yeah, so it's Bird Road. Um what? <laughs> uh so Bird Road. Else. <laughs> no, we got a uh, we got a show coming up on um Oh my god, you know I had a dream? I had a dream about our May 8th show that's going to be at Lifehouse on uh in Little Havana here in Miami. Um so, you know, there's no nowhere to get tickets, just show up and be there. Uh but it's going to be at 7 o'clock Thursday. Sorry. Wednesday, May 8th, uh, in Little Havana. I had a dream that you just decided to come because Dave, yeah. Jewish Dave's not going to be at that show. If you're not, if, 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 if you're looking to see Jewish Dave there, then like, I don't know, I can FaceTime with him or something like that and you can talk to him, but he's not going to be there. Just don't want to like set expectations that can't be met. But Unless I had a dream. Someone wants to buy me a plane ticket. I so. had a dream that you just decided at the last minute. But the funny part about the dream is that you were weirdly, I don't know how to put it. You were weirdly aggressive. 
Like you were weirdly like, um, like you said something along the lines of like, yeah, I know you're trying to do this show without me. And uh, yeah, sorry, I'm coming like that. And I was like, what are you talking about? I really want you here. And you're like, you're like, whatever. We'll talk about it when I get there. And I was just like, what? Why do I feel like I have like a second wife all of a sudden giving me a hard time about shit? Like, what the fuck is going on? Was I acting like I'm, I'm like some big shit or something? No, I'm no. Sorry. It's not that you were acting like some big I shit. I was mad. You were mad because I think like you were behaving like you, th- you thought that I had been working to keep you at a distance from participating in the show. <laughs> and you were like, basically you were like, there's two Dave's and Bird Road. Not just one. How about you? You got anything to promote? What else can people hear on the Bird Road? Uh, I'm sorry. What else can people hear on the Piecing It Together feed, Dave? Uh, well, it's funny we're talking about anti-capitalism and all that stuff on this episode. <laughs> because we've Funny! Got... We're talking about it. Because we have an episode on Dragged Across Concrete coming up this week as well that's so, a trump that's a trump movie right yeah it, it's i'm a, waiting for that to very, go free. very conservative movie so uh, i'm waiting for that to go free to to, to be free um it should be soon enough i'm sure yeah. uh, i'll definitely keep an eye on our twitter i'll let you know but um yeah no we've got we got two very uh movies that deal with uh, political issues so uh yeah that's coming up on piecing it together and are you gonna do you have to do you know because in the modern podcast media cycle like you have to have that avengers movie up by like friday morning <laughs> yeah i'm not sure how that's gonna happen i uh, i have thought if it takes longer than like 12 hours parts. it's old news you can't yeah well i've thought about doing it in parts because that way um actually one of one of our frequent co-hosts is actually going to be in vegas uh ryan darty who's actually been on bird road as well yep. so he's actually going with me so Friend we could always maybe record right after uh we see it and post like at least part of the episode up and then maybe do it in part, do it in pieces. That could be fun. I think you have to throw down the gauntlet not to, uh, not to damn. I didn't even, re- I honestly did not even mean to make that pun, but you have to, th- you have to throw down the challenge. How about that? Uh, that, um, the infinity that, challenge that, uh, <laughs> that nobody can use any Marvel or superhero movies. No Marvel. Yeah, mu- I, no I movie- think, I think I did that on the last one, didn't I? On the uh, I don't remember the, the Infinity War episode. I think I said no Marvel movies. Um, I allowed other comic book movies, but no Marvel movies. I'm gonna I'm gonna do um, the next piecing it together I do, which I guess will be that one because I'm sure you'll have me on for that. Uh-huh. Uh, will be like only pornos. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of Piecing It Together is brought to you by the Truth Be Told Hip Hop Podcast. Although a fairly simple premise, what makes the show compelling is the camaraderie shared among the hosts, Big UU, Rifa, and Black Todd. The casual and unstructured format of the show is akin to an organic conversation, the kind that hip hop fans usually have with each other with plenty of strong opinions and off-the-cuff rants and debates. Add it to the different backgrounds of each host, and what you're left with is a good and entertaining mix of personalities and perspectives all in one place. Subscribe now to the Truth Be Told Hip Hop Podcast on your favorite podcast player. All right, so that does it for Piecing It Together and Bird Road this week. Uh, You can subscribe to both of these podcasts on your podcast app of choice. You can follow Piecing It Together on social media at PiecingPod, and you can follow Bird Road at Bird Road Podcast. So that about does it for today. Uh, I also want to remind you to make sure to join our Facebook group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group where the conversation about all these movies continues. And uh, I think that does it, really. I I think let's keep this outro brief. I think let's jump into some music. Why not, right? Um, We'll be back in a few days anyway with another episode on Dragged Across Concrete. So we've got lots of Piecing It Together coming up. So let's leave you guys with a piece of music. And um, as some of you know, I've produced a few hip-hop artists over the years. And there's this one artist named Skydro who had an album called Success Stories that I produced. And uh, I feel like this one track off the album, I Want to Get Away, which was like kind of one of the standout tracks on the album, I think it would fit in a movie like Guava Island. So uh, why don't we play that? So this is 
I Want to Get Away by Skydro from the album Success Stories. And this is something I produced about 10 years ago now, 9 or 10 years ago. And uh, it's a cool album. And uh, you can find it out there on Spotify and iTunes and all that kind of stuff. So enjoy it. And we'll be back soon with more Piecing It Together. Don't you want to get away? Translation included minimum wage Born with subliminal rage And incarcerate those that's in cage When other voters decided America was changed I wanna get away Don't you wanna get away I wanna get away Let's just get away Zero getting on my knees, praying the name of the Prince of Peace, asking Almighty God, please open these gates and set me free. I wanna feel the island breeze, steady counting trees, sipping pina colada, chilling in the sauna, feeling like a bomber. Yes, and in 2009, deal with the drama, just about to write the new world order. It goes with the ashes of heroes, cause survive and get alive and survive and grind sea roads. I wanna get away. Don't you wanna get away? I wanna get away. Let's just get away. I wanna get away. Don't you wanna get away? I wanna get away. Let's just get away. Y'all, these are the tales of the dead man walking. He knows it's the devil that stalks him. It's Jesus walking on water. Yo, and he keeps on walking, keeps on talking. Hear the dogs barking, but with God I'ma defy dead. I'm like 007 in my private jet. I wanna get away. Don't you wanna get away? I wanna get away. Let's just get away. I wanna get away. Don't you wanna get away? I wanna get away. Let's just get away. I wanna get away. Don't you wanna get away?